Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamant. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Rob? In spite of the fact that we're in a global crisis and mm-hmm. I'm, with each day that goes by, you kind of become more aware how serious it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm beginning to hear of friends that have been very sick in London and in New York mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. mutual friends passing away. So it's obviously an incredibly intense time. But mm-hmm. when I knew we were talking to today's guest i was thinking back to how we first met and we actually met in 2016 it's actually a long long time ago and i first discovered her work in 2015 and i remember back then it almost feels like now looking back how simple everything was for me like um i think the biggest thing i was concerned about was the fact that the person i was going out with didn't actually want to go out with me (laughs) and i remember weirdly taking solace in her work through that kind Mm. of emotional turmoil and something that is always a recurring feeling i have when i look at her work is this sense of freedom and space and she makes these incredible paintings which to me really are landscape paintings even though they have figures in them and Mm -hmm. they have this kind of expansive sense to them you know of like Mm. epic landscapes somehow or like dreamscapes that are like bigger than the canvas horizon themselves yeah and for me that that's a rare thing i mean i don't look at everyone's art and feel free and i think that's an incredible thing really and and that's why I'm so excited to be speaking to her today because um, that's something we need right now. Her works are an escape. And, and I think at one point, you just when someone said describe yourself as a painting, you actually own a small painting by this artist. And I think you said you described that you to sum you up as a person was this little painting that you own by this artist. Yeah, that's so true. I did, didn't I? I actually yeah, said that did. on the podcast a few times. Yeah, you did. Well. you did. Yeah, we can talk about that in a minute. But we would like to welcome to Talk Art... Catherine Bradford. Thank you. How are you, Catherine? How did we find you? I'm talking to you from New York City. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get worried. Mm -hmm. My spouse, Jane, and I are snug in our apartment, and we're both Mm. well. Good. Good. Well, that's the best news ever. How are you guys? We're doing, yeah, Rob's Rob's in Margate, and he's still in and out of work. He's working a lot because he runs a gallery. And then I'm sort of hunkered down with the dogs at home doing talk art and a bit of writing and reading lots. And it's quite, I'm quite enjoying it, weirdly. I'm slowing down. It's, it's a scary time. But all you can do is either switch on and get panicked or switch off and just sit in, sit in with it and just listen to what people higher up the register are telling you. So let's 
go with talk art then. <laughs> so you say talk art differently to us, which I love because you, you're a New Yorker <laughs> now. <laughs> well, no, I'm afraid you say talk as talk, talk, talk <laughs> as an English Englishman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and how here would you in say? New York, here in New York, we say talk, talk. Talk. You sort of draw it out. <laughs> you guys are kind of in a hurry, and you trip over the word. You say, talk, talk, talk. It's talk. not the word. The art's the important bit. Talk art. Talk art. We yes. need to change yes. it to talk. Talk, talk. Talk. No, no, no. Talk art. No, no. Yeah. Talk. Talk. There's an L in the word, you know. There's an L before the K. Where were you from originally, Catherine? You're not from New York originally, are you? I was born in New York. Oh, you was? Yeah, I was. And um, I grew up in Connecticut. And when Mm -hmm. I started painting, I was living in the state of Maine. Right. Mm -hmm. Which which is sort of my soul state. Do you, um, and you started painting uh, quite later on in your life, right? You you sort of, you had a you had a visual upbringing, but you didn't really discover that you wanted to paint, and you had that drive for painting until much later on. Much later on, that's right. What's what's the story there? What how comes it took you a long time to navigate your way there? Yeah, uh, it's hard to tell this story because I know all the other artists you talk to. They're talking about drawing when they were five years old, and art school when they were teenagers, and having shows when they were in their 20s. And it really wasn't until I was 30 years old that I made the commitment with myself that I wanted to live my life as an artist. But at that point, I was married and had two children, boy-girl twins, and I was living a kind of, um, I was living a country life in Maine with a wood stove and an organic garden and lots of animals. And so I slowly had to change my life around. But I did. I did. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm an artist now. Oh, my God. Yeah, you Which are Which is so artist. incredible because, because many people might feel like they wanted to be an artist or they want to make music but that, but, or they want to you know, write a book or something. But often yeah. life just gets in the way and I think people aren't able to sort of make that jump. What do you think was it that, that sort of, you know, if you were almost like running a household in a sense, like bringing up family, how, how did you suddenly, you know, what, what happened to sort of give you that push, that extra push <laughs> that some people don't have? What, what happened? Well, you said make that jump. It certainly wasn't a jump. It was just one step after another. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was more of a slow process. Well, it seemed fast enough to me. Um, when, my, when my children were in fourth grade, I realized that I was then divorced and I could move to New York City which sounds pretty brave, doesn't it? You take your two yes. children and move to New York City and decide you want to be an artist. Actually, it sounds yeah. crazy, doesn't it? My children I don't know I would do it, yeah. <laughs> my children that... said they thought I was crazy, that, mm-hmm. I, that I re- there was very little basis for me thinking this would be a sound move. Mm-hmm. But in fact, part of the story is that both the grandmothers 
Both their grandmothers lived in this area, and I have a wonderful sister who lives in New York. So it, that part wasn't so crazy. And, and I, I, yeah. I had surrounded myself in Maine with a close community of artists, and I found another community in New York. I think that's how I survived. Right, right. So when, when you came to New York, did you find a studio relatively quickly and settle in with the community? <laughs> Are you kidding? No, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I, I got a piece of someone else's studio. Uh-huh. And um, one of the most wonderful things is almost right away I made friends with Chris Martin. Yes. And his group of friends, and 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 they were they were passionate, intense painters in yeah. Brooklyn, and we all one by one got studios in Brooklyn, which which was quite a new idea. People were not going to Brooklyn to be artists, right? So we were in a sense pioneers, and we all stuck together. We relied on each other. There were a few artists run small galleries in Brooklyn and mm -hmm. and it was very exciting e each little um triumph was so was such a wonderful feeling I, I never felt as though I was on a dead end you don't believe me do you <laughs> no totally, completely but we can see where, where your journey and where you are now but it doesn't sound like for you it felt easy to have made the the change of lifestyle into being an artist and then also to live your life as an artist it's always felt as it felt kind of like you've been working hard at this for a long time well it has been a long time but it was a dream it was a dream i had and you know when you have a dream and it starts to come true that mm -hmm. is euphoric and mm -hmm. and I will say that Canada Gallery had a lot to do with helping my dream come true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did they find you? Is that is that how we met, Robert? Well, I first discovered your work um, through Catherine Bernhardt because I was working with her. And we connected because I'd seen your work at NADA, I think, in 2015. 2015. Yeah, with yes. Adams and Ullman. Was it with them? Yes, and yeah. also Canada. And Canada, okay, yeah. Yes. And I, I, I think it was Adams and Ullman's booth that I first saw. And it was through Adams and Ullman that I went on to get the small painting of Superman, which I often describe as being <laughs> something that you, I would uh, yeah. sort of see myself. It, someone asked me, what would I be if I did, as an artwork? And I said that painting, because to me, it, it gives me this sense of freedom. And then we, you and I started emailing each other. And then I tried to meet you... I think the end of that year and then I wasn't able to. And then we tried again in like the May of that year uh, of, of, of 16 and I wasn't able to. And then finally in December, 2016, I came to your studio and funnily enough, it was on a trip where I went to visit Chris Martin, Stanley Whitney, I think Catherine Bernhardt all in Brooklyn and, and then you as well. And it was this incredible trip for me. Like it's still to this day, one of the most magical trips because it was just so interesting seeing this group of artists that were all very focused in different ways, but creating these incredible sort of 
uh, paintings and and I hadn't seen anything like it so it was a it was a really great great thing and and we were all more at the beginnings of our career yeah which is so crazy isn't it it's like it's not even that long ago in a, in a way what and, a good and, list that was a good list Robert yeah you it knew was. how to and, you knew how to pick them and some of the conversations I mean all of the conversations I had you know was they were just uh, you know amazing conversations and then um yeah, and then eventually I got to come on a road trip to Massachusetts and then we went on to Maine in June 2017 and I came to Brunswick, Maine and we met you and came to your studio, which is another reason I think I associate you with big landscapes because I remember like driving through to get to Maine and just trees everywhere for like hours and then when we got to you, you had a studio in this amazing big mill and it was just epic, like the view from your studio and... I just, I loved it. I absolutely loved oh, it. So I'm that's... so glad that's what you remember because I tried to discourage you from making the trip to Maine because I had just gotten there. and That's I right, you just moved I, in. I, yeah. yeah, I didn't have finished paintings to show you. And you yeah, were yeah, very yeah. sweet about it. And, and we yeah. had a good time. And I'm oh, glad you forgot time. about that part of the story, frankly. <laughs> so you work, you work between New York and Maine then? Do you make the, the journey there different times of the year? or? No, I, I just go up in the summer. It's right. a, nice and cool. It's in the north north part, and it's, it's a heavenly place to spend the summer. Um, Jane and I are about to go up on Sunday. We're about to go up early this year for obvious reasons. Do you find your work is different in both studios? Like if you come to New York, do you find your work has a different energy or pace to it than work does in Maine? Well, I carry the paintings back and forth. I hire a truck. Right. And and so I'm often working on the same paintings in both places. I, I think Robert said there was a landscape feel to my work, and I think that's true. Yes. Uh, there's a big sky, a feeling of night, a feeling of ocean. Um, Brunswick, Maine is right on the coast of Maine. Does that mean it's like Margate? Yeah, I mean, Mar- Margate is a seaside town. It's very different, though. Um, <laughs> it's very different to the States. It's got a very kind of like Victorian feel to it. And um, quintessentially British in some ways, but not really in the quaint way. It's It's got a kind of edge. Um and mm. it's also had incredible poverty over the last kind of 20 years or more. So, um, yeah, it has an edge, but it does. You know what? It kind of reminds me more of places like Brooklyn or Flatbush or places like that where you, where somehow there's a bit more space. It's almost like the, the lid has been lifted off the city of London or something where you can actually mm. breathe a bit more. But then you're close enough to the big city that, that you don't feel completely, you know, a million miles away either. It's a really strange phenomenon. But nature is a big thing here. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you would love it in the sense of the giant sea and the big skies we have. And in your work, I mean, I, I've heard your work so many times described as being figurative paintings because you see maybe like superheroes or Superman or astronauts mm. or, you know, space, outer space stars or cyclists and and, or, yeah. yeah, boxing matches. There's all these kind of themes. But actually, to me, the, the figures are only one element of it. They could almost be yes. like like rain or something. Do you know what I mean? Or, or, or sunlight or like they're, they're important. But I, I do think it's, it's, it's more than just a figur- figuration. You know, what's interesting is that when I started putting people in my work, 
my audience got much, much bigger. Really? Yes. I think people connected with them. I think they, they saw an element of humanity in my work mm-hmm. that maybe I wasn't getting at when I did skies and water and boats. Right. I did boats for a long time. Yeah, I love your ship ships. Paintings. Like, yeah, big ships. ships. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I, I didn't, I didn't dare put human beings in my work because I'd never been to art school. I'd never done life drawing and all those foundation courses. And I, I just thought, well, I, I can't draw the figure, hands and faces, but. Somehow, when I started in my own very basic way to put a body, a person, into the work, everybody accepted it, even though it wasn't very carefully drawn. Is that the right word? Yeah, totally. Well, you, you celebrate children's art, much like uh, Brian Ballot, who I think is one of your companions in your art community you look to like children's drawings and the naivety of that but you celebrate that and that's your your characters have this kind of everyman quality to them that you can project onto thank goodness it worked out that way i i could have just been dismissed as not knowing what it was doing Mm -hmm. that that was a turning point that people liked it Mm-hmm. And I felt I could do more, and I made my paintings much bigger. Is it autobiographical, your work? <laughs> you know, not many people ask me that. You mean, do I think I'm Superman? Do you think you're Superman, or are you a big swimmer? Do you see yourself swimming oh, at yes. night? And... Yes. It's, it's, um, it's what I feel very close to. You know, I don't go out swimming at night that much. It's freezing cold in Maine at night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the ocean is very cold. That's why it's very good for lobsters up there. Yeah, oh, right. I remember the cold water. We tried to swim and it was so freezing cold. It was like unbelievable. It looks so inviting and so beautiful. And then you get inside. <laughs> it's just like, you can't I'm... feel your bits, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny about the lobster as well. I remember we consider the lobster, that essay by David Foster Wallace. And um, we were obsessed with that at the time. And one of the things we did was try and find where he'd written about, you know, that whole like Maine lobster festival. Um, so that we could go and sit in one of these traditional kind of lobster shacks. It was amazing. You didn't find it? I think we did, actually. I think, I think we, we definitely went to, like, one of the biggest ones, and it was hilarious just, just as an experience and also really tasty. I mean, I actually really enjoyed it, which I also oh, felt yes. bad, bad about. But yes, you, really you wouldn't want to have a lobster anywhere else after that. No, it was incredible, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the great rich parts of being an artist in Maine is that there, there are a whole list of great artists that drew from Maine, maybe Marston Hartley being yeah. the prince of all of them. So I could see, I could see Marston Hartley and Alex Katz and John Marin all, all had done paintings of Maine. And I was almost looking at that 
artwork, how they interpreted what they were seeing. I learned more from that than actually looking out to see. Mm-hmm. Right, interesting. Through the way that other artists had, had interpreted it, then you took your Well, Well, there was a certain lead. language yeah. they were using that I thought, oh, that's interesting. Marston Hartley is making these clouds, which, which look like very clear logos up in the sky. That's wonderful that he's doing that. He's not really being faithful to what he's seeing. And that was a good lesson to learn. Also, he was very direct. He, w- he was almost a folk. I like the folk art yes. part of what he was doing. And same yes. with Alex Katz. He, he, he made the main landscape very simplified. You know, big blue lake with a few little dots for people swimming in it. And I looked at that and I thought, oh, I love that. I want to try and do that. Wow. I, I find your work is like, um, they're like poems. It's like you're making poetry in paint because you were just saying about the sea and I said, are you a swimmer? You said it's cold. But it has that, that feeling, <laughs> like that dream, that dream-like feeling that you, you long to, for the sea to be warmer so you can be in it at night and splash around. And you, it feels like you're creating this imagine, imagined emotional kind of dreamlike world for yourself to exist in and for your characters to exist in? Well, you know, most of my swimmers are standing up. They're about ankle deep in water. And maybe that's as far as you got. And that's the most comfortable way to swim in Maine. It's just (laughs) Just up to the ankle. (laughs) That's as far as you go. Yeah. Yeah. Put your feet in and then look at how beautiful it is and then get out. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Why do you think you, a lot of your characters are kind of faceless? They, they, a lot of them are, are um, featureless. They don't have a, they, you, you read into their body language and you can sort of feel the emotion, yes. but they don't have distinctive uh, facial expressions. I sometimes put the facial expressions in and then I don't like it, so I take it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I started out as an abstract painter and I see forms and shapes and I, and I love that enough to keep it that way. And I, I think if you put a lot of facial expression on um, your figures that... To me, it's it be, it's a little too close to illustration. Got you it. notice yeah, yeah. someone like, um, well, I think I think that's enough of an explanation. I mm-hmm. hope. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I love that you said body language, because yes, the, yes, body language is important. Absolutely, every single what every single one of your characters is affecting another character it feels like there is a dialogue going on between the body languages that keeps the rhythm of the painting alive oh that's nice yeah is that intentional (laughs) (laughs) i i think that's maybe something i see and then i stop the painting it's done but you know what i wit i i noticed recently that a lot of my paintings have social distancing in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, they of, do. Uh, that is so true. Of, yeah. It, this is a phrase that we all have just learned. 
Yes. But I, I place them on the grass or in the water or in the sky and with a space between them. It's a patterning kind of thing. Yeah. And actually, there's, I remember a painting when I came to your studio in New York that was almost like Stonehenge or something. And it was this kind of green kind of Stonehenge, like, like an ancient kind of uh, monument of some kind um, with a group of people in a circle. And it almost looked like they could be dancing in some kind of like ritualistic dance. And at the same time, you had other canvases that had huge kind of bonfires and fires, um, again, with different figures around these fires. And I always had that idea of kind of ritual. But something I also thought about was the idea that I don't really feel like the, the people are ever really necessarily talking to each other, but maybe somehow they're, they're connected through a higher like, yes, the communicating from space. There's always a yeah. spatial thing, it's like an like alien thing. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And and it's it's almost like the our language, like human language. It's almost like talking it's art. Unnecessary. Like they, yeah. Yeah. Unnecessary. And it's yeah. about something else. Oh, would you say that? I love that. I love that yes. interpretation. And you know that painting you saw of people in a circle by something that looked like Stonehenge. Yeah. Phil Grower at Canada said, oh, that looks like a, an insane asylum. So really? <laughs> they never exhibited that painting and I still have it. Oh, wow. No oh, way. Right. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, well, no, for the most yeah. part, they've been very good editors of my work and I listen to what they say and they've been yes. tremendously helpful yeah, in course, helping yeah. me find my voice as a painter but i I love this notion that there's uh, some kind of higher power uh above it's astral yeah yes astral above the people in my work some somebody asked me if my work was spiritual and Uh i said it was i'm not a religious person but i do think that as Kandinsky said, there's a spiritual, there's a spiritual in art. Yes, there is, exactly. And also what you said about poetry, poems. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would love to be a poet if I didn't, if I thought I could. I, I think it's just as hard or harder than being a painter, so I'm not going to try. You're, you're doing it with paint. That's the thing. Your, your, I find your, uh, your works are like events in themselves, and they are kind of fully fledged poems, but told through uh, image rather than words. Well, I, I love, I love hearing that. Thank you. You're welcome. What does um, success feel like, Catherine Bradford? <laughs> I think it's helped me feel confident. And sometimes when I'm standing in front of one of my big paintings, I think, okay, I'm going to stop. Maybe I have something here. Mm-hmm. And it looks a little awkward, and it, and it doesn't quite make sense, and I can't even explain why I did it or what it is. But I have behind me now a lot of people who who accept what I'm doing. 
it's frankly, it's a wonderful feeling. Yes. Do you find it hard to let paintings go once you've like been with them, like lived with them and worked at them? Do you, I mean, do you, and how long does it take you to make a painting? So sometimes I can do it pretty quickly, and sometimes it takes me. I have to keep going back and fixing it. Mm-hmm. I did a painting called a lunch painting, which was all white, and I took a red brush and I painted people sitting around a table very, very quickly. And I made myself stop. I, 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 I liked what I saw, but I, I must have done that painting in, in less than an hour. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't tell anyone. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you could say you took a lifetime to get to that point where exactly. you feel that you can Confident make it work enough to know that you can do with that, that yeah. gesture. Yeah, exactly. Do you find it hard to let them go from the studio? Or do you find yourself really attached to your works? Yes. If you'll keep this a secret, I've been hiding certain of my paintings. Oh yeah. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. You've been holding them back. That's the best advice to give artists. <laughs> well, it's hold, recently, or, or I give them to my children. Right. Because sometimes I'm just heartbroken that a painting that I thought I had really come up with something is now in Dubai. Right. And, and no one's ever going to see it again. Right. I, I'm sure the like Dubai a JPEG, person... Yeah. Yes, the person in Dubai is going to see it a lot, but yeah. The person in Dubai is listening to this right now, feeling awful. (laughs) (laughs) Or not, or feeling really proud that they've got it and it was one of your special ones. Who knows? Do you ever destroy your work? Do you ever look look at your work and think, Oh, my goodness, yes. You do? So many things, so many things. You know that painting you have, Robert? Yes. It has color all around the edge? Yes, it does, yeah. I, I think that was from earlier paintings. Right. I think maybe maybe I then I put I whited out the middle. Yeah. And put the Superman figure in it. I was going to say it feels very textured, like like there's a history on that canvas for sure. Mm. Which is also what I think is so special about it because it's such a small. It's like postcard size. It's very small mm-hmm, painting. Mm-hmm. It's a jewel of a painting. I love it. Mm-hmm. I have a small one by you called um, Couple for Essex from 2014. <laughs> Yes. And I'm from I'm from Thank Essex, you. England. So for me, it made sense. But you you wrote it, you made it for Essex, Maine. Is there Essex there? No, I made it for a gallery called Essex. Oh, Essex that Gallery. Ha- that's it. Yes, that's that why was it's having Essex an Gal- auction. Yes. And that right, was so right. nice of you. To, I think you sent me an email. Yeah. Saying I I got your painting because yeah. it was for me. Yeah, couple for Essex. <laughs> And it looks like they're standing on the beach with like um, a monochrome, like the horizon, and it's a color field. And, and that's something that's really exciting about your work. I've I've connected to as well is this the the color fields and this Rothko-esque um, uh, back, backgrounds, the the, the the worlds they live in. The color's really important to you, and, and this this kind of monochromatic feel, right? Exactly. I I don't really understand artists that don't use color. I heard your, um, your wonderful interview with Joyce Pensato 
And she mm, yes. told the story of how she realized she was a, a black and white painter, which yeah. made sense. Uh, and and her black and white is so colorful that she doesn't yes. have to use color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. You, you came out as a, a queer person quite later in life. You were talking about your partner, Jane. And did that, do you think, I mean, there's an amazing quote that you said that you found it harder to come out as a painter than it did as a queer person. But did you do you think that that also plays into the work on any level at all? Being a queer person? Yeah. Doing queer art? Yeah. I heard you talk, all three of you, with Louis Fratino about this. Mm-hmm. What a great discussion that was. Mm-hmm. I think he talks more easily about being a queer artist than I ever have. I sort of have the feeling, I love that you're using the word queer. You could have said lesbian, but you didn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there's a queer side to every artist and people in the art world. I mean, I feel the art world is a haven for people who are different, who feel they are different. And I think I'm often painting about that. Do you think so? Yeah, Yeah, totally. The awkwardness. Of my people. I I, there's a nuance. I wouldn't say it's awkward, but there's definitely um, a mystery. And there's, there's definitely a psychological a charge to your paintings that I isn't... I also think there's a, there's a unity and there's a sense of um, togetherness, but, but it's very open because sometimes I'll think I can't even decipher what gender they are, say. Your character's quite... Non-binary, non-binary fluid. Yeah. Yes, you don't. Yeah, really... there's like a fluidity to it, which yes. is also interesting because earlier on you mentioned that idea that when you started painting figures, people started to relate to them. But maybe that's because you can access it, whoever you are, in a, in a way you can kind of see yourself or something. I hope so. I think. Um, I think all that is very recent. Living in the art world, you don't have to be very female or very male anymore. Right. And I, I welcome that. That's part of the freedom, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, the, and the artists who are in Canada Gallery are <laughs> such a range of wonderful characters. Absolutely. So you, we were talking about Adams and Ullman earlier. You have your gallery, Canada, but you have Adams and Ullman, which is in Portland, Oregon. And you've currently got a, a show up there that's now on pause because of, because of uh, the COVID-19 that's making everyone have to close down for a while. Um, what, what, it, it's based around the circus. The title, of the, piece is, uh, the title of the show is called Mother Joins the Circus. How did you come to this series of works and how were you feeling right now that they're kind of hung in limbo, waiting for an audience? They aren't in limbo, and the gallery isn't on pause. Just today, they launched it. It's open. Oh, it's open. Of course, Portland, Oregon is open. Well, I'm not sure you want to walk right in there, but but you can see it online, every bit of it. I've seen it online, yeah. It's amazing. It just opened today. If you go to their website, you can see the whole show. I'm, I'm afraid that's the, 
that's the current way to see a show. Yeah, exactly. But they've done a they've done a wonderful job, and you can see the installation, and you can see each painting, and you can see the painting "Mother Joins the Circus," which is two mm-hmm. people holding up a woman or a person in a skirt, and she she looks a little gobsmacked. I I like I like the idea of mother joins the circus because we all have a mother and we would hope she would not join the circus. How did you <laughs> how did you come up with the title of that? Where, how, mother joins the circus is so uh whimsical in some ways. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted. I think the circus is what I was just talking about a haven for people who are extraordinary and are a little different and they're a tight community and they support each other. Mm-hmm. They get paid for it. And uh, isn't that a phrase, go join the circus, which means you, you, you cease to belong to the mainstream? Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Run away to the circus, yeah. Yes, run away to the circus. I like, mm-hmm. I like that notion. And this mm-hmm. current show is full of circus pictures, paintings of circus people. Oh, I see. I think it's one step from uh, the other characters I've painted about. We well, got the strong They're, men. That's quite circus themed, yeah. isn't it? And yes, the strong men and people in trunks, acrobats, and so on. But I was going to say that. A, that painting that actually takes the title of the show, like Mother Joins the Circus, there's a sense in that one again that, for me, this is how I interpreted it, was almost like they're going to like lift you into one of those... Um, what are they called? Like a Barrels cannon. or a cannon. Like a cannon. A cannon, exactly. Fire you through the sky, one of your skies. Gun. And, yes. then, and, then that, and, then, and then I'm saying it's you, but it might not be you, but the, yeah. the, the, the person is then going to fly. So even though it's like quite a still image in the sense of them all standing and holding that body, like it's not actually f- physically flying. You, you do again sense, have that sense of, of flying and freedom from them, weirdly. Yes. Um, well, the, the arms really are like. kind of circular, aren't they? So the character's moving through these circular arms like a tunnel Yeah. in the circus, yeah. And the painting it's team for- players as well. I love that one. Oh, so good. Thank you. Thank you so you much. Th- Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Why do you think Figurations had such a renaissance in the last, it feels like the last like couple of years only, that suddenly the, um, the collector's appetite and, and institutional appetite is moving more towards Figuration than it ever has before? Well, the art world was almost completely white males, the established art world. And what's exciting is that all the other characters are beginning to parade into it. So there's an increased interest in identity. Mm-hmm. And I think people want to hear a some personal stories, some other voices. And I think if you, if you put people in your paintings, you're able to tell those stories, maybe more so than if you did geometric abstraction. I think there's a hunger for hearing about all the different lives, especially the ones that were left out of the story. Yeah, totally. 100%. And you think people can probably access that more through seeing the human form in front of them? Well, it seems so. And, and um, I think it has to do with social media. And I'm not quite sure how to explain that. But because of, I, because I, of social connections, because people are seeing more and more images of other human beings going about their life? or Yes. And I know, Russell, you're, you're a big presence on Instagram and you also oh. Robert and and I'm very nurtured by having an Instagram account and being an audience and an exhibitor on Instagram mm-hmm. that's great and you so you enjoy Instagram Instagram's a thing you you quite like being a part of and uploading your work and connecting with people no see you're kind of British by saying quite like <laughs> I adore. <laughs> I adore Instagram. <laughs> right, right, I can't right. get enough of it. You know, right, right, when right. I was when I was in high school, there was a an, a building you could go to that had you could draw. It was called the Art Barn, mm-hmm. and I only went there once because I thought it was so dull. But I loved the school newspaper. I loved figuring out what everybody was doing and what articles should be written. And I put paper pictures in it and I drew cartoons. And my senior year, I became the editor of that newspaper. And I feel the same kind of fun with Instagram. It's like a big trade newspaper. Wow. And do you think it's good for the art world? Do you think it's, it's uh, really beneficial for the art world? It's changed things? Totally. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to say totally. Totally. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like Margaret Thatcher. 
Totally. Oh no, we're not going to talk about her. Totally. <laughs> I, I actually remember you telling me, like when you first emailed me, the first ever time we emailed each other and you said to me something like, um, I'm so happy that Catherine Bernhardt is working with you because you two look like you're having such an incredible time on Instagram because at the time I think I just started oh, posting yes. and we were posting like daily updates from all our <laughs> adventures. Yes. I think you felt you, like you were almost part of it with us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she did a big mural in Los Angeles. Right, and you yeah. posted every step of that mural. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good for <laughs> um, you. Yeah. It was fabulous. I think Instagram's a great platform if people are o- overly enthusiastic like myself. Can I quickly bring up one thing? So in your current show, Mother Joins the Circus, there's um, a recurring kind of theme also of, of horses. And I heard you talk before about this idea of like abstraction and then when that could maybe turn into figuration and if you're looking at an artist like Susan Rothenberg who I know that you respect can you talk a bit about her work and what it meant to you it was a revelation because I was walking around a show that seemed to be about lyrical abstraction and then boom there was this big painting that had the almost the outline of a horse, let's say yeah. a white horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, so you can put a horse just flat on a painting? It looked great. And she, I think she opened the way for many people because she, she respected a lot of, she respected the edge of the painting. They were quite monochrome. They were monumental. It wasn't as if she was really joining the um, representational painting group. She was part of abstract painting, but she was using images. I think she was in a show at the Whitney Museum called New Image Painting. Mm -hmm. You see, that was a while ago that they call it New Image Painting. What would they call it now? They call it the current mode for figuration. All right. Actually, you yourself were in a group show not long ago at the Pratt Institute in New York with a group of artists who were all approaching figuration in a kind of, at the time, which felt incredibly fresh. I think it was 2018, maybe. And it included people like Gina Beavers, Catherine Bernhardt, Rose Wiley, um, Liz Marcus, Jackie Goodell. Goodell. Um, yeah, and yourself. And was, was that quite an important show for you to be part of? Well, I love being part of it. But there are a lot of shows like that now. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's happening. Right I now. think the fact that um, abstraction and I wouldn't say figuration, but paintings that have, that reference the real world, I think mm-hmm. that's something people like to think about now. It's not, yeah. it's not the only time it's been around. No. But, uh, I mean, you, you began by talking about freedom, and I think as far as the artist is concerned, that gives us all a great deal of freedom. We can, we can put an image in. Look at Jean-Michel Basquiat. He, did, he appears to have done whatever he wanted on the surface of his paintings. Mm-hmm. And, and I think people love it, love them for that. Mm-hmm. It's totally unique to him, which I think is what you have. You have something that's very distinctly you 
very stylized by you and instantly recognizable, which is an incredible um, quality to have. Well, I have a file on my computer now of people who paint, who've taken my ideas. <gasps> really? <laughs> like who? Like who? Do, who? This is the kill list, is well, it? Maybe, who, who, who maybe we, we shouldn't <laughs> promote them, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to ask me to name them? them? I, don't, yes. I don't even remember their names. <laughs> I just I just swipe that that image right into that folder, and it makes me feel a little better. Wow. God. I heard you reference once Rose Wiley is a big influence to you because of a certain area of the body she draws and paints, and Nico Eisenman. Well, they're both great artists. Mm. Yes. Rose Wiley fascinates me because she seems so proper the way she speaks speaks yes Am I right yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah. yes well, she did a talk up with us yeah you can hear her on that yeah yeah does she have the same british accent as the royal family y- yes it's pretty yes, 100%. Uh, up, up there yeah it's very much wow. of a time as well it's the, the similar That's what generation I thought. to the queen but, yeah but she said the most outlandish things to you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we love her. She we absolutely did. love her. She did. She said she wanted newspapers to be covering the floor of her studio because they made a great sound when she mm-hmm. walked through them. Mm-hmm. And that, like that is eccentric. Yeah. Yeah, she, Very, she she's incredibly nest. eccentric in the most wonderful, yes. yeah, most like, inspiring wonderful way. way. Yeah. And but also what is it about her work sharp. that you're drawn to? What is it about her painting that you connect to or, well, or like to draw from? I, I felt self-conscious becoming a person that was drawing people because I thought that that probably, you had to have a lot of skill to do that. But then I saw Rose Wiley do it, and when she draws a leg, it's just like a, like a two-by-four board. It's mm-hmm. just, <laughs> she does it. She just, she spoke to you all about that. She draws from memory, and so mm-hmm. she gets the essential part of what she's doing. And, her, mm-hmm. and the legs are just like two, two sticks, and she doesn't apologize for it. And it, and it gave me permission to take a lot of liberties with the human body. I mm-hmm. thought it looked great what she was doing. You know, her work looks mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And Nico Weiserman, what is, what is her inspiration to you? How, how has she played into your work? And Well, she started out as a very skillful, almost academic painter of the figure. And mm-hmm. she has gradually loosened up. If you if you saw the latest Whitney Biennial, she did an absolutely astounding installation of mm-hmm. people called profession, Procession. Yeah, I loved it. And, and <laughs> she just threw clay at some of them and let it stick onto their genitals, or, or she let her let this spray insulation run all over the feet of one of the people. I mean, it's very, she took a lot of liberties. Did either of you see it? 
Yeah, I saw yeah, it. You, yeah, go, you we went outside, it had smoke billowing out of it, and they're all kind of facing one yeah. direction. So there's movement, and they're all, you don't really know again, they're non binary. You can't really tell what gender they are. And it was on, it was on the outside of uh, the Whitney on one of the platforms, the balconies. And yeah, it was an amazing, yeah. amazing piece. I love that. And you could, massive, and you could walk around it, and everyone was really fact, transfixed. I think by I went it. with you, Russ. Yeah. I think we went together. I've just realized. We did. We did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, and the smoke was coming out of the person's butt. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> but that's what you want. That's what you want. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, I think someone like Nicole Eisenman and Catherine Bernhardt have introduced the element of fun, that you can have a lot of fun mm. at being an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be political satire necessarily. You can just joke around. That's the freedom, as, yeah. and I guess. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think out, out of that fun as well comes something that does have meaning as well, you know, like, like kind of more profound meaning as well. I think it can lead you to places if you start from that place that you might not have got to otherwise. Otherwise, it might just feel a bit too closed because it might be too sincere or earnest or something. I mean, I, th- I also think Chris Martin's like that. Oh, yes. And, you know, that was a terrific breakthrough for Chris, who is a very close friend of mine. I think yeah. he became an artist because he wanted to be kind of a guru, a, a sort of sacred person. But once he let go of that a little and started gluing crazy things onto the surface of his canvases and then using all that glitter and writing whatever he wanted. I think he realized that his sense of humor could be a tremendous part of his work. And I think you feel with his work as well that that he's kind-spirited. Like, I don't feel like in his humor he's necessarily ever being mean as such. Because I remember his Amy Winehouse works as well, which had incredible kind of pathos. And That's I don't know, I, I, I think there's a depth of emotion in what he's doing because of his intellect as well. And also his understanding of teaching, because I think he's such a good educator as well. Um, well, I think depth of emotion was not a quality that people were after when I arrived in New York in the 80s. And I never heard anyone talk about soulful, soulful work. I think there was a very minimalist, conceptual, intellectually driven atmosphere to the art world, which is less so now. Thank God. Thank God, yeah, totally. I'm looking at a painting in front of me called Circus Lady 2019, which is currently up in your show at uh, Adams and Ullman. And I feel like this character's you because she's got, like, white hair and... (laughs) She's wearing like a pink tutu dress, which I can imagine you sort of wearing. Is this is this like a character based on you? Are these characters you? Do you think when they have like the white hair and? Although I have to say, I don't think of you with the white hair. I always think of you with like bright pink dyed through your hair or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> punky, kind of fun, playful. Yeah. That doesn't that circus woman look a little lost? She's kind of looking up in the air, wondering how she got there. Is she meant to catch someone or something? Is she yes, where they're landing? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I I have done paintings that are people who I feel like uh, early on I did a, a big painting called 
woman flying or maybe flying woman. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a naked woman with a red cape on and, and she's actually trying to fly. She's not quite a comp. Well, she's in the air mm-hmm. and she's hoping that she looks good. And, and that's exactly the way I felt at that point as an artist. I felt a little bit like a, pretend, like a pretender and then perhaps I had to wear a red cape to look a little more powerful and that I was naked. I was exposed to everyone looking at my paintings. But I, w- I wanted to soar high up into the air and, and uh, be accomplished. But in fact, I was in a very vulnerable state. Well, you have soared and you are soaring. And, and what, what is next for you, Catherine? What do you work towards now, even though we've no idea what is going to happen with galleries opening again? Do you have an, uh, in your mind something you're working towards? Well, I have invitations from two galleries, mm-hmm. Kaufman Repetto in Milan. Yeah. So we'd like to say a prayer for them. Mm-hmm. And Tomio Koyama in Tokyo. And, and I hope that those shows happen. We'll see. Yeah. But you'll make work now in the hope that they will happen. That's what you're oh, working definitely. on. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I, and I also have a big survey show coming up that the Portland Museum of Art in Maine is oh, putting together. And it's going to travel all around the United States. Oh, wow, that's, awesome. that's great. And will it go to like... New York, and will it be in your town when you get to see it with your community? Maybe after this talk art show, New York will take it. There yeah. we go. New York, listen. New York, New York. Yes, listen, <laughs> listen up. Yeah, yeah. We need listen the Catherine up. Bradford survey show. ASAP. And you need you need the superhero that is Catherine Bradford. Yes. Um, <laughs> Catherine, you know the super, you know the Superman paintings or the superheroes. I was just thinking about them when you were talking about that red cape in the other painting do you think because for me I'm, I'm trying to work out why it meant so much to me but I think it almost becomes like a talisman for me like some kind of some you know like a precious object that like if I believe in it enough maybe it will rub off or something on me do you, yeah. do you is, is there a reason why why you sort of were drawn to superheroes well that's a good one and look you two were written up in the New York Times Mm-hmm. Uh, entire page. Yeah. yeah, that's very that's very super. Yeah. Um, you know, I started making Superman because I was frustrated doing swimmers that were uh, that I that were mostly skin colored, and I was having a hard time figuring out what skin color was, and then. Maybe by mistake, I made red boots and red underpants and blue legs and a red cape. And it was much more fun to do a superhero, which comes in all sorts of colors. So it was a chance for me to use a lot of color and also to make the figure anywhere in that rectangle. They could be flying up. They could be flying horizontally. They could, it was, uh, it was kind of discovering 
a new character. It brings the painting into being as well. It's almost like the imagery somehow is a vehicle to allow the painting to, to come alive or something. I hope so. Yeah. I think, it, yeah, it sounds, yeah, it sounds great. I also remember in your studio in New York, you had piles and piles of works on paper that felt really incongruous to me at the time because I was, I'd always assumed that I was going to see a canvas in front of me. And then suddenly I, I saw you had all these piles of like collages and like paintings on paper. Is, is that a big part of the way that you work in the studio? Well, since you came to my studio, I've had opportunities to have painting shows, not so much works on paper. So I, I maybe this summer I'll get back to doing those works on paper. I think some of them are, are still in that pile, Robert. No way. <laughs> yes, I I've actually so. got photos of all of them. Like, I loved them so much. Don't throw the photos away. I won't, I won't. <laughs> I've got do you, do you work from sketches then, Catherine? Do you make sketches and then paintings or do you just paint direct onto the canvas and let yourself go? I, I paint directly, which right. is what I saw Rose Wiley doing and I, and I loved. But she talked a lot about drawing, which I, I'm not a big person to draw. Mm. I'm not sure how I explain why that is, but I don't think of myself as drawing. No, but actually the, the works on paper that I saw were really paintings or collages. So what was right. it that, that led you to make those at the time? Was it more that you, weren't, you didn't have exhibitions coming up where you were given the opportunity to show big paintings or, or such? Or, right. or was it a lack of yeah. space or something? Is, was it that? Lack of money. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's, that's a way to make a lot of art inexpensively. And it almost became like a vocabulary for you, I felt. Like, you know, through looking at all of these, because maybe there was 30 works on paper when I saw it, and I'm sure there were more, but it felt like you were, you were developing this vocabulary that you then took to the paintings later, but they, they weren't drawings and they are artworks in their own right. Yes, I think that's how I practiced as a younger artist. And I remember Chris Martin and Peter Atchison and I, we would find pieces of furniture, smashed up furniture on the sidewalks in Brooklyn. And we'd haul it back to our studios and paint on it because it was free and, and you could ruin it. You could ruin, you could just, there was a sense of experimentation and you weren't wasting a big canvas, making a big so it's mess. it's less precious, yeah. Yeah. And less pressure, yeah. I guess, as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I remember you, you, had a, you had a footstool in your studio with the number 11 painted on it. And I will always remember that. It was like in red, I think, the number 11. But I remember it because 11 to me was like a gateway number. And I remember people always telling me that like the number 11 was some historical number or something that opens up other portals or something. I don't know if we discussed that at the time. What, why did you do the number 11? Uh, two straight lines. Is that really and what? <laughs> thank you. And thank you for remembering that. Thank you very much. You know, Joe Bradley came to my studio once, and that was the piece he loved the most. Oh, really? It was, it was, it was sort of an... Joe up Bradley, isn't it? Mark making. Yeah. yeah. And it was sort of an upholstered uh, ottoman that I found on the sidewalk. Right. It, it was too delicious just to leave there. So I brought it back to my studio and 
painted, painted. There were some other things on it, but there was an 11 in the middle. Yeah. It, it looked great, didn't it? It did. And for me, it, because of that idea of um, gateway numbers, I don't even really understand what that all means. But to me, it always represented the, the idea I took away when I was told that in my teens was this idea of a portal or like that somehow maybe a number or numerology could somehow unlock like a hidden door, almost like a, a key in a door that would then open and take you somewhere else. And in a way, that's a parallel kind of of what I'm explaining happens when I see your paintings is that they unlock this other planet. So rather than it being <laughs> sort of a reflective thing, it's more a projection. It's you know a what parallel I mean? world it, coexisting yeah, alongside and, us, and, but a spiritual thing, like it's all and, happening, but you're not a part of it. Yeah. And when you mentioned Rose Wiley talking about memories, I actually feel like yours aren't necessarily, I mean, they, this is my interpretation, but, but it's almost like they're projections or like, or dreams of what could be, you know, in they're, the future. They, have a they feel very forward looking. Like projected nostalgia. Like you kind feel of, like yeah. you've experienced it, but you, you haven't, you haven't but they do yet. have like a memory. Like a deja like, vu. I maybe. do. Yes. Yeah. Like some hot summers where you're just like hanging out, sweaty and you're just like, it's, it's, it's dream, that's the dreamy vibe. That's the kind of like yeah. the nuance that runs through all the work. But that it's positivity whole mood. Is, so, is, so, is so different to looking back in a kind of reflective, emotional way. It's, it's just a different thing, I think. It, it, do, do you feel that with your work or not? Or are we just making it all up? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I just wrote down everything you guys said as fast as I could. Because I think, and then you're going to burn it. <laughs> you're going to set no, fire to I'm it. No, <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not. No, no. It's it seems I'm going to read it over when I okay. feel that I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to say, oh. "Oh yeah, unlock a parallel planet." Oh, okay. Done. Love that. Check, but check, check. I did hear you say. <laughs> before that you don't really get creative block as such because when you get to the studio you often have a fluidity and you just get on with it is that true a knock on wood i think it took me so many years to have this studio life that uh i feel very uh excited to be there and i'm not going to waste a minute that's inspiring so i hope that continues that's it will inspiring. continue, and we yes. love you, and we we are your cheerleaders on the side. Big all time, the way in big England. cheerleaders. You need to paint <laughs> us as cheerleaders in your in your work. Me and Rob dressed as cheerleaders. Um, <laughs> so we ask every with, guest that with, comes on. Go on, go on. Sorry, with red with red capes on. Yes, yes. red cape yeah. cheerleading. Yes, that's yeah. what I want to love be. that. Yes, I want a boob <laughs> tube. So we ask every guest that comes on uh, two questions. If you could do an art heist, if you could have any work of art to yourself, an imaginary art heist, what would it be and why? A touchstone artwork. And it can be anything. Absolutely. Yeah, any scale, any size, we can help you. <laughs> we'll unlock the parallel world. <laughs> yes, put the 11 in front of it and take it away. Well, um, actually, my art heist would be in the Tate Modern. So uh -huh. I'm hoping you can help me with that. Easy peasy. And, yeah, and what I would like is the Rothko Room, right. which I visited pretty recently. And I stood in front of one painting that mm -hmm. I thought was purple, but when I got closer to it, it started to turn all silvery, like a light violet. If, I, if you won't let me take the whole room, which people might notice, 
I'd, mm-hmm. I'd take that painting. Well, this was a room that was, it was a commission for the Four Seasons Hotel that he made these big paintings. And I don't think they even turned, ended up in the Four Seasons. They ended up cancelling. Did they, or did they, were they in the Four Seasons at one point? No. He, Rothko went to the Four Seasons and he was so disgusted by the high-end wealthy people eating there that he refused to put his paintings in the, in the restaurant. Right. There we go. That's the story. Yes, yes, yes. That's great. So, and Rothko is a massive, obviously, hero of yours. He plays into your work a lot, has inspired you a lot, right? Absolutely. His colour fields. And the light in that room is very dim. So it's... I have never been to the Rothko Chapel, but it, that the room at the Tate Modern in London is, is sanctified. Well, we just interviewed the director of the Tates, um, Maria Balshaw, so, yeah, we're going to give her a call and uh, make sure we can... She'll, she'll let you have them, that's fine. She'll let you have a couple. You might not be able to have all, all four, but you can have a two of them, Oh, sure. you, guys are, you guys are amazing. Thank you. <laughs> of course. So of when course. you were in London, when you were in London, you were showing at Campoli Presti, weren't you? And yes, I was. That, that exhibition I actually really wanted to ask you about because I felt like that show was a real shift. And I saw a painting at... Uh, Canada Gallery in FIAC as well in Paris and I think I might have emailed you at the time to tell you but I, I was so blown away by the, the kind of shift in the work because it had kind of almost for, uh, temporarily kind of left the extreme dreamy sort of outer space world and it became very close and very kind of interior like almost like domestic interior to, like, so, so, something like that was, was, was that a deliberate choice? No, I, I think I'm using bigger brushes and painting a little faster and uh, getting, I, you know, I, I don't think I could analyze it. I, I, just, I just felt like there was color blocks and kind of, it just felt like a... Yes, a color new, blocks. Yeah, like a bit of a new dimension to the work somehow. I hope you liked it. No, I, I loved it, yeah. Yeah, really loved it. Um, so the next question we ask, which is related to colour blocks, is mm-hmm. what is your favourite colour? I'm, I'm sitting in the, the living room end of our little loft in New York City, and I'm looking at a rug that I bought from Catherine Bernhardt and her then-husband, Youssef, when they yeah. sold Moroccan rugs, and it's yeah. a deep red. It's a red you could just fall into, mm. like a field of cranberries or something. So mm. I, I would say deep red. Cranberry, deep cranberry red. That's nice. That's nice that you can sort of swim in. Mm. It, it's, so, it's so beautiful. And when you walk on it, you're walking through a field of red. Mm. I don't want to walk yeah. on it. So it's we think about <laughs> cranberry juice weirdly. I, I, I want to swim in cranberry juice. juice. Why can't we swim <laughs> yeah. in cranberry juice? That's think, never going to happen. Be, no. You know, what, if if you paint water and you make it red, it doesn't look good. It looks like looks like blood. blood. Yeah, it, it looks a bit yeah like a crime scene. Yes, yes. Talking yes. of talking of favorite drinks and things like that. What um do do you have anything that you like to eat or drink when you're at the studio? It's one of Russell's favorite questions that I've just stolen. Mm-hmm. That's all. <laughs> oh. I'm not much of a foodie. 
I'll tell you that. But do you have my any routines? Son, or my son always teases me about living on, out of a hot plate. Talking about your son, he wrote a really great essay in one of your books, um, which I really recommend everybody read. Uh, who published that book? Was it Canada Gallery? Yes. If you type in my name, Catherine Bradford, and his name, Arthur Bradford, yeah. you can see where he published this in something called Medium. It pops up. It's online. It's not mm-hmm. quite the same essay, but it's the story of how he and his twin sister uh, had to put up with their mother wanting to be an artist, and they, they went along with it but felt sorry for me because no one was buying my paintings and so on. And then when I had my first show at Canada, I said, please come and be there at the opening. My daughter lived in England. She lives in Cambridge. And my son lives way over in the West Coast in Portland, Oregon. And they both flew to New York and attended the opening and they were really impressed. There were a lot of people there. And, and they don't say anything about the paintings, but they could feel in the air of a celebration and the outpouring of attention my work was getting. Mm. And so it, ha- so it has a really great ending. It does, doesn't it? And, um, yeah, I love that idea that, that, that you'd, you know made those steps towards becoming the artist and then when you finally did it's lovely that your kids sort of got to share that with you and that you also got to see it and the appreciation we all have for your work I think it's a it's a great thing because a lot of people you know sometimes don't even get to see that in their lifetime so I know it must be be nice to have had that appreciation it wasn't nice it was fantastic I'm doing the English thing again yeah, you're being English. It must again. have been very pleasant to have that. Yes, <laughs> understated. Yes, yes, the weird yes, thing yes. Is, English people think I'm the least understated person going, so um, it's hilarious. Yes. Yeah, you the said qu- you were over enthusiastic. Exactly. We both are, <laughs> but never apologise for enthusiasm. That's my mantra. So we ask every uh, guest as well on this lockdown season, have you discovered since uh, quarantine uh, a hidden lockdown talent? Something you didn't know you could do before, but now you realise you can. Yes, live with my spouse, Jane, in a small space, day after day (laughs) after day. (laughs) That's a talent, is it? Okay. (laughs) Well, it's different. It's different. Mm. And, And I... I hope everyone out there feels close to someone because it really helps to mm-hmm. get through all this. Yeah. You don't normally spend this long together, no? No, because I have a studio in Brooklyn and I live in Manhattan. And Jane, thank God, doesn't complain if I spend a lot of time in my studio. Thank Does you, Jane, Jane like your work? Does she like your work a lot? Is she a good critique of it? Uh, she likes me. I feel pretty confident about that. <laughs> good. <laughs> Thank God. Thank yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's been a really lovely interview, Kathy. Thank you so much for spending this time with us on Talk Art. And 
I hope the trip up to Maine is uh, pleasant enough and we get to see your work in the flesh when we're all on the other side of this. Thank you both. Before you go, there's one thing I did want to ask. What advice would you give to artists now who feel like they're on the outside? And, um, you know, because I feel like you're an artist that very much made the decision that you were going to go for it. What, what advice would you give to younger artists or even, you know, older artists who still want to do it? Well, I spoke about the value of a, having a community. I think um, I hear a lot of artists say that they don't do Instagram because uh, it's too much trouble to post there. Well, I don't know. I think Instagram is about connecting with people and being an audience for people's work. And the same if you, if you live in the art world. I think we all forget when we're trying desperately to find attention for ourselves, that the way to get attention is to give attention. Right. Good advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, a, yeah, I'm, an, old, as well, I'm an old wife. I'm an old wife. I'm a, I can give advice now. Mm. Oh, well, we love, well, we you, love you, Catherine Bradford. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on Thank you so up. much, Catherine. It's been the dream. Thank you I both. I love this. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank well, any, all the images we're talking about today, please check out our Instagram at Talkart. And Catherine, then, we're talking about Instagram and you're the, the ambassador for Instagram. What is your uh, <laughs> handle? It's K-A-T-H-E Bradford. Great. K-A-T-H-E Bradford. That's it. At Instagram. And, we and then will you can see link it to you as well so you can see it 100%. from our page at Talkart as well. Well, thank yeah. you so much. It's been thank such so a joy to spend time on. with you. And um, thank we you will both. be back very soon. Cheers. Bye, Catherine. Bye, Bye, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.